Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi, everybody. Um, I want to say hello to everybody. We have a great show today. Jennifer Hiltisan and Kristen Lindsay Hager is joining me today as a co-host. And um, we'll be having a big discussion about writing and a lot of other topics. But I think, let's see, maybe I will talk about the beginning. Uh, some of the shows we have coming up. Okay, um, I think I'm, I might take off in July. I'm not sure because I keep booking myself shows, but I keep finding things that are interesting. But I think we have, you know, uh, Jennifer will also be on on the 26th. We're going to be talking about Coda and some of the movies um, that have, you know, been, they've been on TV now, and you know, Apple or. Netflix, like we always talk about Hollywood, and so we were talking about that and some other different movies. And then on Dick Belsky is coming on on the 19th, and we're going to talk about Ozark. And then um, I have, I'm have i having a show with Fran and two other women that were on a show that I was on with Fran Lewis about the Holocaust and a lot of different things, and they will be on the next week. And so we got and a lot of Elizabeth Black will be on, and a lot of horror uh, coming on show. Let's say we got two, three, I think three shows coming on with Elizabeth Black, and she they're all about anthologies and horror stories. And um, there's a, an anthology off of Anne Rice's um, work, so I think that should be good. So we got we're pretty booked up here, and a lot of things. And actually, Amy Mead will be on, and she is the one that uh, started Authors for Ukraine. So she's also an author. I didn't know she arranged that um, auction that I was in and 160 other authors were in. So and they, they did very well, 20,000. So that was really good. So she's coming on in June, and we're going to talk about her writing and everything else that went into that Ukraine, you know, how that came to be. It was a very good idea of hers. So right now I'm going to let, let – let's see, we're going to let – well, Kristen, you want to just say hello to everybody, and then we'll have Jennifer say who she is, and we'll get into a discussion. So you've been on a lot of shows, which is great. So tell everybody who you are, Kristen. <laughs> well, thank you for having me on again. I've been really oh, enjoying this. And then I get to feel special because you use the word co-host. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> a fun thing. It's a fun thing. It makes my mom, you know, semi-proud, which, you know, she That's could good. use. She should days. be proud. Of what do you mean, semi? <laughs> semi. <laughs> well, she'll take what she can get, the little crumbs here and there. 
But um, I write YA, and I also have a, a middle school series called the Landry True Color Series. Um, but right now, I have just um, republished my YA novel, Dating the It Guy, which is currently number one in the teen and young adult category Great. for books about this. So. Yeah, that's wonderful. Great. Thank you. Yes, we need those books for good examples of, you know, for the YA. That's a really important. It is. It's a really important genre. You know, that's one of the most important because there are people coming up in this world, which is a hard world to come up into, which we'll get into that a little later. Okay. And, um, okay, Jennifer, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself? There's a lot. You have a lot going on. You have many different names you write under, and you've got 24 books, and they're best-selling. So tell everybody a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get on to the subjects. Okay. Um, Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. It's really fun oh, to get to visit with other writers. <laughs> right. Um, I, I have a, a urban fantasy series, The Undead Detective. Um, that's one of my favorite things is just to write urban fantasy for myself. And um, I worked as a plotter and a concept creator, and that's really where I got started with thinking about how to plot books and thinking about tropes and what are some ways and really studying how stories are put together. So that was the the kernel behind what became the Tropesaurus, which is my book that came out in January. And um, I'm working on a romance-specific one right now that's going to come out in summer. So that's been a lot of fun. I've been watching lots of romance movies and studying uh, lots of romance. Kept to the right place because um, we we watch a lot of yeah. those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of us. Yes, yeah. we do. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, and also, I forgot to say, if you, we, we'll probably talk a little bit about marketing because we all know we have to market all the time. And um, I talked to Crystal from CLG Promotions, and she's back again. And uh, she had to have a few surgeries, so she was out for a while. So she's back again doing PR. And as always, I use O&P, and Melissa Smith is also doing some of my um teasers and banners because that's really important and I think people Mm -hmm. listening out there you need to keep putting you know we have to promote so we just don't know in which Mm -hmm. ways to promote but we have to be doing things and that's with teasers and with banners and things like that Mm -hmm. and um, most of us that are authors do not like doing this but we have no other choice (laughs) because we have to get out there (laughs) if you have a personal assistant you need to have you need to be out there doing things and that is the one thing we all have in common we'd rather not do it <laughs> but we have to yeah you know exactly yeah. so i think that yeah and that's a thing but i do think you know right now i think it would be a good idea maybe to talk about your tropes because i you know concept is really important and a lot of people that listen to the show are new writers and seasoned writers and Plotting are things that don't come that easy to people. It's difficult, even if you've been writing for years, that plotting and of how course. to yeah. get it right. So tell us a little about what that means exactly and how we can okay. use that writers. Sure. Um, well, basically what I think of, what I define tropes are ideas and building blocks. So they can be things like best friend, billionaire, widow, love triangle. Things that we know about that are, if I, tell, if I say any of those words, the vast majority of people are going to understand what that concept is. And so right. tropes are kind of like a shorthand we can use with the reader to get into the story. 
if I had to every time explain all these different things about that one that one character, I would lose them before I'm trying to build into what makes those characters unique. So that's kind of like the whole idea for me behind tropes is not to be afraid to use those things, but we're only using them as building blocks. And then we're going to take and shape them and really make them our own to our story so that they're unique and they're not like everybody else's story. And I think find people have the most trouble is where they just don't develop the ideas enough. And that's when sometimes it feels like you've heard that character or it feels a little stale. But I find the trope to just be taking it farther and farther and digging deeper into the character. You can really have a lot of conflict for your stories, which is the juice that they all need. So do you put, do you make those do you make a list of those yourself or you know like I you oh, know yeah. is that like because mm-hmm. all right so if you're if you say oh. I right, love triangle okay so someone says yeah. oh I want to oh. do a book on love triangle then what they make other well, tropes um, to go underneath it or? yeah well first of all there's there's like if you googled tropes you, you would find so many lists there's just all kinds of lists out there so um, that's like writers don't I have did to I did Google it. it that's what that's okay. why I went like, oh, no, I need to know what this really means. Yeah, yes. yeah, right. Right, right. So, so great. So, like, so love triangle is, um, you know, a great trope because it has all that conflict in there with the three people. Um, but it's not the only thing I would use in a story. I would still, I would still want to know, like, who the, well, well, we'll imagine we have a heroine and two heroes, a traditional, kind of a traditional romance. I would still really want to develop those other characters. So, you know, one could be a billionaire, another could be an orphan. She could be, um, I don't know what else we make her to be. Um, let's see. Teacher. Uh, maybe teacher, an artist, artist, yeah, whatever they right. are. So, you mean, you just make, so right. you know in your head that that's what these characters, their main focus would be on the one thing is that right yeah like 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 i try to use um multiple tropes so i would be trying to to pick like three tropes for each of my main characters okay and then i would try to pick um two or three tropes to describe their relationship or what the kind of action is going to be so it could be a love triangle and there could be opposites attract um and there could be forbidden love say and so you're going to have, like, those things can happen in the story in different uh, in different strengths. Like, maybe the primary story is a – the primary arc would be the um, love triangle, but then there's also these, like, smaller arcs of friends to lovers or opposites attract. So oh, it doesn't all – everything does – I'm sorry – no, so I see that I'm right. I'm trying. I'm writing when you're talking because I, you know, I didn't okay. know that much about tropes, and I think that, you know, that's something that people probably have trouble with is trying to figure out right. all these little things. Kristen, do you have any questions? Right. You, have, you might have something you might want to add, probably. Well, I think too. A lot of times um, when I'm writing, I like to use the tropes that I love. Like there are certain tropes that if you talk about, like fake dating, opposites attract. Right. Those are things yeah. that I love to watch in rom coms, to read, in yeah. you know romance and stuff like that. So I kind of like to write the ones that I like because I'm already really you know passionate and heat up on <laughs> yeah. it. And I, right. you know, and also I like um, Girl Next Door. You know, the the popular mm-hmm. rich guy yeah. one, soulmates, things like that. Um, 
So yeah, what are you, Jennifer? What are your some of your favorite tropes that you enjoy that you you're gonna like one click on those books? Right, right. I always love enemies to lovers. Uh, mm. That's just one of my fan favorites. And I, when I was doing some research for this book, I was rereading Pride and Prejudice. I was like, ah, oh, it's enemies to lovers. Elizabeth <laughs> and Mr. Darcy. It's like all those years ago, she totally figured out how to do these things. Um, <laughs> That still resonates with us today. Um, and I also, yeah, it, it I probably also doesn't like, change. I mean, love is love. You know, love. I mean, for over the years, the, these are the concepts that go through year after year after year, and they work. Right, yeah. and that's what, yeah. re, and that really, that's what resonates with readers because I think tropes can re- represent, you know, common human conditions that we get, and then we can dress them up for how we want to tell the story, but it's already like an idea that's understood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, do you guys have any favorite romance movies? I have a million of them. You know, oh, I was actually talking to someone. I, well, actually, I was talking to Amy Mead, but, you know, we were talking about uh, things because we I like to talk before, you know, their guests just so we know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So she, on her page, she has a lot of old movies, and I love old movies. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the romantic comedies in those years, the older years, you know, with the stars, they really have, it's a lot of dialogue. A lot of females wrote those, and nobody realizes that until you look at the credits. And... They're just it's a simple story with great dialogue. Right. And so what what that's what they did. You know, in the old you know, and like even ones that people see over and over again. Like, you know, um mm-hmm. Love Affair or um oh, yeah. Fear to Remember. Great. People just love them. Yeah. And it sometimes when you're watching movies now, you'll see like in the background they're watching a movie and it's an old movie. <laughs> that they're looking yeah. at. <laughs> Have you noticed that? That it's an old movie. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. yeah. they never go out of style. I, I, I love Audrey Hepburn movies. Yeah. 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 yeah she's, That's yeah. what I was thinking of uh, bringing up babies. Uh, mm-hmm. the, oh, the yeah. One I like that where one. She's there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just all the, the, I remember watching it going, oh my gosh, it's, it's so great. There's so much going on, and it kept surprising me. Well, that's the thing, right? But you, you know, you all, you know that you know it's going to be a happy ending. However, in the older mm-hmm. movies, they have uh, their plot is a little sometimes more complicated than the newer ones, because there's mm-hmm. always this person that comes in that somebody was married to that they didn't even know, or they were engaged to somebody, yep. or somebody pops up, right. you know, and. Um, I think there's one in Connecticut. I can't think of the name with Barbara Stanwyck. That's an old one. It's, um, oh, God, where she's pretending she was a writer. And, you know, it's a really good story. She pretends she's a writer, and then she has a baby, and she doesn't have any of those. And she wasn't even married. So, you know, and it it goes, and there's so many characters in it. And, like, I think what I was seeing on some of these pages that on Facebook now have old movies, it's – there are a lot of young people, very young people, watching old movies because they just mm-hmm. like them, you know. And like My mm-hmm. Man Godfrey was an old movie. When I saw oh, that, yeah. I go, oh, because there's like oh, a million yeah. characters in it. 
See, in a lot yeah, of those movies, there are a lot of characters. See, now you can't have as many characters because then you have to pay all these mm-hmm. people a lot of money. <laughs> they only, right. they don't have like a jam-packed uh, character, you know, a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. But in, the, in older days, they did, or in some of them, they only have two or three characters or four, mm-hmm. not a lot. They still have a lot going on. So I guess when you say trope, in those ways, like even in Affair to Remember, you know, each mm-hmm. of them had a spouse. Well, one of not a spouse, a spouse to be, and then mm-hmm. they never ended up with them. So, right. But you knew it was probably going to happen, but you didn't know everything that was going to happen. You know, you didn't exactly. know she was going to get hit by reason. hit. You know, lay in the hospital with all the surgeries. You didn't know that was going to happen. You know, and so when that mm-hmm. happened, that changed the course of everything. Right. And so but there, um, the, the, uh, oh, I was just going to say, I think a good story is one that, like you say, you, you, you know they're going to wind up together, but your overriding question of how is what keeps yeah. you hanging yeah. on. And that's, that's the thing we're all, like, striving to do with storytelling is, you know, keep people from putting the book down or turning off their Kindle and going to make dinner or take out the garbage or something else, you know, just to keep. And I think, right, you know, and that's why, you know, Kristen and I always talk about that, you know, some of the, you know, things that are, you know, because I think, Kristen, you like, you know, like Nancy Drew stories and all of those type of Mm -hmm. things that Mm -hmm. are out there again for people to watch. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you're before we had Netflix and all these things and all, you know, all of these movies that are, you know, on HBO and everything, a lot of it comes back. And, on, you know, Netflix has brought a lot of series back. So, you know, and then there's Peacock and all of these that brought them all back. So now mm-hmm. people that necessarily would never have known about a lot of these shows, are they can watch them. Like even yeah, leaving yeah. Fever. I've had I've had a lot of people on my shows at the like during pandemic. We were talking about what people, I had, you know, we had a whole show oh. about children, and they were talking about wanting these kids to watch some of the like Leave It to Beaver and stuff, things like that. That would never they would have never seen a lot of these things, and so they right. watching it, and with these young kids because right. I think some of the parents were not wanting them to see some of the stuff that's on now, too much for right. them. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So old, you know, I I have many favorites. Do you have a favorite that you like? In your romantic comedies? I've, me or Kristen? Either. Well, well, go, you can take it either either of you whoever wants to go. Okay, I'll answer, go ahead, Jennifer. I'll <laughs> okay. I was going to um I want to hear what what Kristen has to say too, but in um well, in older ones, I really love the Nick and Nora um, were there detectives? Um, yeah, yeah. And those, those yep. not only were the staff paced, the dialogue was snazzy. It was like you said, they had these huge casts, and the, yep. the set changes of were just great. But they also were like so many tropes about their detectives. But yet they're, you know, at that time millionaires, which seemed like a lot, <laughs> a lot of money. And then there would be all these other yes. tropes of like, oh, there's fifty suspicious people, and then the red hair, you know, which are like the red herrings. And um, so I, I'm amazed how when I've rewatched those, they, they still make me laugh and they still hold me at my attention. That's, th- those are going farther back. And um, I would say current or romantic comedies, uh, I'm trying to think. Um, 
Well, I, I had rewatched the uh, Romancing the Stone because I haven't yet seen the remake with Sandra Bullock and uh, there's one that's a, that, that they're saying is kind of like a remake of that. It's in the theaters and I haven't worked up going to a theater yet. Um, but I loved like the dialogue with Romancing the Stone and how they did twists on her being an author. And yeah, that was good. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. A good, yeah. yeah. Kristen, what? Go ahead. You finish. You know what you like. I love um, for the older movies, like the Audrey Hepburn movies, Carol Lombard, um, some of the Elizabeth Taylor ones. But, yeah, if I'm flipping through the stations and they say a Carol Lombard movie or an Audrey movie is on or a Rock Hudson movie, I am stopping. That is the end of my day. My productivity is done. You know, if Rock Hudson is on my TV, I am watching that. And um, recently, too, I was watching um, about um, a couple other uh, Newer ones, and I watched just just the other night, Already Tomorrow in Hong Kong, which was on um, Amazon Prime with Brian Greenberg and Jamie Chung. Oh, I saw, yeah, that was good. I yeah. saw that. That was really good. That was cute. I need them to do a sequel. I need to know what happens because it ends with you not knowing <laughs> if they end up together, and I must know. Like I'm oh. seriously considering going on Twitter and asking them if they could just tell me what they were, you know, what they were thinking. <laughs> Because the movie ends, it's such a great concept where they meet, you know, and um, you don't realize it at the time. There's a few spoilers here, but it's worth watching even with spoilers. Uh, They meet, and he offers to walk her to meet her friends. They're in Hong Kong, and she's not quite sure the layout. And, you know, so it's such a cute way of them getting together, the conversation. You see a connection, but it develops slowly, and that's what I love a slow burn with the trope. I love Mm -hmm. a slow burn. I don't like yeah. when couples get together too fast because it just doesn't feel organic to me. And it's so cute. Mm-hmm. And then they find out, oh, he's got a girlfriend. And then they meet a year later. And it's like, ooh, star-crossed, you know, soulmates meant to be. Yeah. But the way it ends, which I won't share, I won't get that kind of spoiler, but you don't, you don't know how, what's going to happen. And that just drove me nuts. And if I was, when I was little and my mom would watch soap operas and I'd watch with her, I would follow up the cliffhanger uh-huh. with my Barbie dolls. I think that's how I got into writing because there were so many stupid cliffhangers and these soap operas. And I would go and I would end it myself with my Barbie dolls. Um, and so basically I might have to get my dolls out for this, you know, already tomorrow in Hong Kong because that just infuriated me. But such well, they, a good yeah, movie to dial. But, you know, that was cute. That was really cute. But I think they ended up together. I think you have to assume that they ended up together. You know, I think that's the thing. And a lot of these you assume it. If, if it's a one-time movie – you kind of assume it that they're together, yeah. you know. Or maybe and if they, they have do a, a sequel because it is kind of surprising that if you, you know, sometimes they you get the idea, but they're not like actually. Oh, there's a wedding or an engagement. Right. But it is really hard when you watch a whole romance, and then you're like, well, I have to hope they stay together. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they have to get out of the cab with her. Well, <laughs> I think well, like at home on Hallmark. Hallmark, they have if you if they have that last kiss at the end, then you know that's mm-hmm. it. That's they're together, regardless if it's five <laughs> minutes, because they work it out in five minutes later they're kissing and it's together. But you don't know up until the last five minutes if it's ever going to make it. But you know they are. But that that's it. Then they have that kiss and you go, okay, it's over. You know that's it. They're together forever. <laughs> you know. It's what you think, you know. And and I think people really like the romance movies, you know. I was just talking today about the fact that 
a lot of times as authors, we think that we're, we're, our market is only women, and that's not really true. Men are out there reading a lot of books, and men do mm-hmm. like romance stories, and people think they don't, and that's not true. They do, because I looked at I was looking at my reviews and them from a lot of men, you know, and mm-hmm. so I because I think we yeah. we think that just women like it, but that's not really true because men like it too. It's just that maybe they don't talk about it as much, but they do like it. And, you know, if you talk to people that have watched old movies, men or women, they like these old movies, especially like even when you're watching the movie channel or um, the, I think it's TMC or it's um, Turner, when they talk about, you know, um, Mankiewicz is there, the, the grandson of Mankiewicz, he is there, and he's talking about the movies he's watched, and they're all old movies. And he's, you know, and he loves it. So they talk, they go through the whole gamut of it, which I think it's a good thing because I think when people, that's why I like doing the show so much, talking about different, you know, uh, Hollywood, you know, any of the new series, because people have a different take on it, you know, depending on their view of life sometimes. I saw a tweet on Twitter um, just maybe a day ago where Rock Hudson was trending on Twitter. So, you know, I got to go click on that to find out what that's about. Because my mom always says, Rock Hudson's my real father. (laughs) And there were so many cute comments, though. This one woman wrote, I wish I had the tweet in front of me, but she said it gave her such good memories to see Rock Hudson trending on Twitter because she would go to her grandmother's on the weekends and grandma would let her stay up and watch movies all night, old movies with her. And I thought, you know, that's kind of what my comfort too, because my dad and my grandmother and my grandpa introduced me to old movies and so sometimes when I watch these old movies it's the comfort like you know my dad really liked Grace Kelly and you know the Sophia Loren and he loved Elizabeth Taylor and my grandma um, when she was younger looked a lot like Carol Lombard and so sometimes that's my comfort go-to is the Carol Lombard movies too and you know I used to go to the theater in uh, Flint Michigan they used to do a two dollar movie and then every um Every other Friday or so, they would do an old movie, a black and white, um, for a dollar with extra snacks. And my dad and I would go to this, mm-hmm. and that theater would be packed, and we yeah. would get to watch, you know, all these old movies, all these great classics and stuff like that. And it was just, it was a real experience. So I think for a lot of people, too, having those memories, maybe being at grandma's house or, you know, with a special babysitter or something, that's also part of the comfort of these older movies. Yeah, I, oh, I yeah. think that's. Yeah, I think that is true. And so you you want to mention the name uh, oh, of the book. So if people are looking for – I actually – well, I did find it. Like I said, I found the – I could put the cover on the page, so I think it's there. You know, tell everybody the name of the book because on tropes – because I think, you know, that kind of simplifies it for authors, and I think I have to, get you know, understand that. That's why I wanted to really talk about this because I think that would simplify it for people so if they have questions, they know that if they follow something – that they know where they're going. Right. Right. And it's and then you can um then you can build the characters you want, but it gives you like a starting point so that at least I know for me, I sometimes I feel like, oh, there's a million ideas in my head. How do I focus enough to get right. them down? Because the transformation from what I have going on in my head, which feels like, oh my gosh, award winning movie to what I am putting on the paper feels like why did I write this in crayon? You know, so it's trying to to deal, you know, deal with that. Um, And, oh, I was just going to say 
um, that I was really surprised how much men like paranormal romance. I was, mm. you know, getting letters from them saying, oh, this really? they like that's the, good. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, yeah, I was really surprised. I, um, I don't know if, you know, maybe. Like, what do they say? What do they fun. say? What do they, what do they say when they write these letters? It's interesting they, they wrote a letter to you. That's an interesting thing. Of, uh, the yeah. top thing is that they actually wrote a letter about it. That's good. Yeah, that was, I, I was, like, really surprised because, yeah. Um, well, they, they really, it was interesting to me that they really liked the romance part. But they also, because, I don't know, I just kind of assume, you know, stereotypically we're thinking, oh, these, like, and they, they're definitely like older men. It wouldn't be like young, young guys, like, cause, you know, you can kind of tell from their name. Um, yeah. But they also like, at least with par- the paranormal romance I was doing, there was a lot of uh, mystery and action. And they liked that combination of the two in a, in a story. And I think... Um, now there's some good examples of that on TV, but, you know, it might have just been at the time or they just prefer to read a book versus watching some serials. But that was really interesting to me because I just really didn't think that men would be reading romance. And see, that's it, and they are, um, and they are. And see, yeah. that's the thing. And, and that's that, what I think that that's why I was looking online, too, to go into, you know, reader. But see, then you have to be careful of that because if you're looking for male readers, sometimes they're looking for the mm-hmm. wrong kind of book that you're going to be talking about. So that's the other thing, right. you know. And right. that, exactly. that's yeah. something you have to be cautious of, of where you have to, like, go in and see what the books they're talking, what they're actually talking about before you get involved mm-hmm. in that group. Because you know, it might not right. be what you want, right. you think. You know, but I think that's an interesting thing. Yeah, and I was just going to say, this is probably very similar to other writers, you know, so I got like a handful of of emails, which was great, but I would say I probably (laughs) received many a day friend requests from that were like completely bogus or scamming from, yeah, you know, right. all, all these yeah, other yeah. men on Facebook right. and stuff. And, and you're just like, yeah. really? No, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> that too, I know that. So I know. Because I, we see this all the time. You, if you look, if you know, right. you get a friend request and the only thing that's on right. is a picture of a guy, just that's not a, a yeah. guy that you need to be friends with because he's not looking at you. Are you saying all these generals don't really want to be my friend? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) That all the generals aren't really wanting to be my friend? Yeah, well, they they might might be bored. They might be a little bored, (laughs) so they're looking for people on there. And that's what, you know, and that is what happens. So I think people, you know, most of us have been on Facebook for a while, which we looked and see who they are before we're going to, you know, Mm -hmm. friend them. And um, see, yeah. that's right. I mean, because there are ways you can tell certain things, but there are a lot of male authors themselves out there who write romance. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, people, yeah. you can't really discount the fact that they're not. So that's a good way to get into different groups where maybe there are not necessarily as many people posting in there that have romance books, you know. Mm-hmm. And I do think, and maybe some men don't want to talk about Say that they watch it, you know, will read them, but they'll read them on a Kindle. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you mm-hmm. know, because they might not want, you know, because I don't think, I think it's really nice if a man wants to watch some romantic movie, and a lot of men kind of fake it sometimes when they're, uh, if they're on a date, you know, the date night or whatever, when people were having date nights, you know, that you could, <laughs> you know, go out and see a romantic comedy. 
but they don't have romantic comedies out anymore. <laughs> it's all on Netflix, and right. you know they they don't have them really, because you know one of the reasons is it costs a lot of money to have mainstream stars. Mm-hmm. You know in the right. in the you know in the theaters, but on Netflix there's a lot of them. There's romances yeah. all the time. And I think part of it, too, is network TV started doing so many more reality shows and game shows because they were cheaper to produce and you didn't need the script writers. And I think that's why people really flocked to, like, the Hulu and the Netflix and Amazon Prime because they were putting more, like, quality movies out with with an actual script and not just some reality show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I mean, right. some reality shows are fine. It's just I prefer to watch something, you know, that with a script, you know, with the more of a story. With a storyline, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I think so. Right. Yeah, but for, right, in a long while, that's all there was on, you know, and now mm-hmm. there are tons of movies on, you know, and it's for everybody, you know. And, I mean, I don't, you could... There's so much, it's hard to even, you know, sometimes when you're looking, it's Netflix, it's Peacock, it's whatever, you, you can't even realize how much is really on there. You know, you start one and then you got to finish it because otherwise you forget what you were watching because that might have been two weeks ago. And some of them, it's, you know, it's don't, true. don't get, you know, some of them are excellent and you don't stop, you know. Yeah, and the, and, with the pandemic. Because I know I'm yeah. not going to be traveling for quite some time. I've been right. watching a lot of the shows and movies that are set overseas, and a lot of them they're they're dubbed pretty well. It's not like a few years ago where, you know, the oh. subtitles didn't quite match up. They're they're done really well now, and I yeah. just watched yes, a great yeah. romantic comedy um, without saying goodbye set in Peru, and it was just so beautiful. Oh. I actually watched it twice because I wanted to take in the scenery the second time because it was just it was so oh. beautiful that I thought, oh, my gosh, I want to, like, see every place that we're going and not be distracted by what they're saying. Like, I already know they end up together. Okay, right. great. And it was right. um, um, Enemies to Lovers, too. Oh, great. Yeah. There was this, yeah. I can't remember the title. There was a Turkish, but it's a Turkish series, and it's a rom- like a romance drama, but I was so hooked in that. And it was because it was, like, tra- kind of time traveling, but it was three Seasons when I'm, I'm black, kind of black moon or something. Somebody, t- I have a list of things somebody was talking about. Turkish. There's a lot of Turkish movies out there that are really good. Yeah. The series they said. Yeah. Yes, I, and they're yes. not sub. They're not subtitles. Yeah. Right? Was it a yeah, subtitle? I think, I, I think this one was subtitled, but I have watched several other really good Turkish shows too. And I think the kind of neat, neat thing about it is they totally embrace tropes, but they had so much going on that it didn't feel like it was cookie cutter. And that one had three series now or three seasons. And I was so surprised like each season was really strong because it sometimes feels like the second season of something will be kind of, they kind of told all the stories they had planned in the first. And so now they're just kind of trying to generate some conflict. That yes. Because they more. already, right. Because they were contracted right. to do two series. So, you, you know, the second yeah. part of it, you're just going like, really, you don't, we could have right. done without this. Right. And, you know, because you keep thinking it's yeah. going to get better, and it doesn't. Right. No, and then the right. last episode right. is usually good, which they should have used the right. last episode for it to end <laughs> the first part of the series and forget about exactly. all the others. You know. Yeah. Okay, I want to exactly. ask you a question that's a very – because people have a hard time writing descriptions of their book mm-hmm. for Amazon. So mm-hmm. how do you, would you – how would you tell people to use – tropes for that because I, that could work very oh, yeah. well because 
as much oh. as people say they don't want to say the see the same thing, they do want to see the same thing. You know, when you so they understand the same yeah. thing rather than making some way out description that won't work. Right. I think readers actually do like they know what they like, and so um, especially romance readers are very savvy about like we were talking about our favorite our favorite like one click yeah. items. So you can definitely in your um, blurbs to use keywords for sure use the tropes as keywords but just try to give like two or three descriptions about what makes that character unique so like girl next door um but she could also you know she's also has a scar like or she's um woman in peril and like how those are specific to your story yep but definitely you want to in the i think a lot of blurbs that i read seem generic and kind of I don't know if they're afraid to give away the story but they kind of sometimes I think as authors we veer too much the other way so I'm like well what is, is anything going to happen here yes yeah, see that's so it you don't want to give well that's the thing because I think it, it used to be the fact is you don't want to give readers the ending Okay, and that's the fear of every writer when they're writing a description is that if they give too much, then the person won't want to read the book. But then again, there's the other side, which is the most important side, is if they don't write anything that's going to interest you, they're not going to read the book at all. Right, right. So you really want to try to use the tropes to show that they're going to be generating conflict in the story. And so how is, so if you if you have these things going on, how is it going to wind up with a happily ever after? So, and, I would say and how I long do you think? How long do you think the description should be? That's that's a nobody seems to know the answer to that either. Yeah, I don't personally. You mean by description you mean a blurb? Like an yes, like because the blurbs like I look, blurbs. I'm a screen yeah. I was a screenwriter and an agent, so we all, we had to have like two sentence one actually one sentence and two that's all oh, we yeah. had is you know to send the log line out. But right. I think you know you, nobody seems to know the answer of what works because you don't want to say too little and you don't want to mm-hmm. say too much. I'll give you my thoughts on it, and then uh, okay, it'd be fun to hear what Kristen says too. But um, I think one thing, and it sounds silly, is to not make the blurb too dense in terms of use white space. Because if I feel like a single long paragraph that has like 12 sentences in it, my, like my eyes just glaze over and I'm just like, it's just like I can't focus on it enough. So you'll see like some authors will like boldface the first line that gives often an idea of what one of the big tropes is um, oh. in the story. And then to kind of break it up into like, the ones that at least draw my eye have like three to five sentence paragraphs that keep it moving, and that really the par- you're probably not looking at like more than five or or so where you're like introducing this is the setup, uh, and the, and then at the end of that like the problem here's things that are going to happen, and then how is how is this going to get resolved, and to kind of think of it that way. Um, yeah. But that's just me. I, I don't. I don't like ones that tell me too much about the story. I just want to know that there's a lot of problems in there, and they're going to have a tough time figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, because I, you know, I've even noticed that. But right, it, and when they writing reviews now, which that's another whole other story there. But the the reviews, oh, yeah. you know, when they write these reviews and they they're writing a lot about it, and they're writing their opinions a lot of what you know they think you know, or if it was good or not, they give you a lot 
of info. So I, I don't know anymore. It it just seems like it's everything is not the way it should be because I think the re, the person looking for a book they have a hard time because they might like what the reviewer yeah. said and then the reviewers said too much and not enough and then some will skip mm-hmm. by it and some will read it and they go well no this story really isn't like that and that confuses the person trying to buy the book mm-hmm. True. because I think the reader the person that is buying that book if you tell them too little or too much it doesn't seem to work so I mean that's what everybody looks for is how to grab the person but I think what you're saying is right. Putting the first, the first line in bold would be good. That sounds good, and then mm-hmm. everything underneath that. Uh, I yeah, I like no, to look the thing. What do you think, Kristen? Well, I like to put in the first part to give you an idea of what you're getting. Like maybe put the tropes in there. Like I have, you know, she's the girl next door. He's rich, popular, and from a famous political family, you know, and my character, Brendan's the guy in high school. Everyone wants to date and sparks fly and the two are paired together. So I start you off like if this is the kind of book you like, you will read on. And then I tell you all the problems, you know, the fish out of water. She feels out of her comfort zone in Brendan's world. His picture perfect ex keeps trying to come into his life. You know, her grandparents aren't, you know, having issues with, you know, grandfather's memory loss, grandmother's health issues. And, you know, she's already insecure because of a previous relationship. So she's pushing him away. She's, you know, relying on horoscopes and things instead of her common sense. And then, you know, then, then I go with, can she get over her insecurities and grief and make her relationship work? Because part of her insecurity is also that she's dealing with some grief stuff. And then I put in, you know, life sure is complicated when you're dating the it guy. And then I follow it with a book with teen romance, a message of self-love and self-acceptance, and a sweet sense of family ties. So if you read this far, okay, that's also what you're getting. And, you know, so you, you have an idea of what the book's going to be about but yet you don't necessarily know everything that's going to happen. You know it will probably yeah. be a happily ever after because it's a romance, and in romance you need that. But you know, it just <laughs> gives you enough to let you know that this is what this book has. If these are the things you like, and you, maybe you'll keep reading, keep reading, keep reading, and then you know, at the very end make the decision, am I going to one-click this one or am I going to move on? Yeah, I think it's really hard. I, it's very hard. And the worst thing anybody can do is put a description just because they think it will get someone to read it, and then the reader does not like that type of story. <laughs> and then the reader is not happy. Because right. then, right. then they get mad and they put a horrible review. And it really is just that they're mad that they read the wrong kind of book. You know, um, but this is how it is when there's so much to choose from. You know, and I think it's hard picking books. That's one of the problems for people. There's so many books for them to pick, so why will they yeah. pick yours or yours or whatever? Mm-hmm. And I, that's what the problem is. But I think by using, you know, the way you're saying now with tropes, I think that might help some people out there because that would maybe focus, keep them mm-hmm. focused as to where their what their story is about. Well, Kristen's blurb had like great tropes in it, and she, I mean, that was just really cool to listen to how she's organized it and, and put it along. So I think the other, it would probably be a, a very big discussion to have, but I think writing a blurb is so, you have to have such a different mindset over what the book that you just wrote or that you're going to write is. Yeah. I, I, I found yeah. those are like totally different kinds of things, even though it shouldn't be, 
but it's just you have to think about your book kind of in more of a objective way, um, and you know all these things about it that you're excited to share with people. But, you know, Kristen did a great job of showing, okay, you like these things, you're going to like this book. Right. I think it's very difficult, and I think because a lot of times you don't want to, you, you, you hold back, and maybe that's a problem, myself included. You hold mm-hmm. back because you, yeah. you don't, you know, you're not sure if that's going to work. And so then mm-hmm. the lucky thing is, is you can redo it. You know, that's the good thing is you can redo it. And then there are some people that have added some comments in the, you know, and I think that's not a bad thing. Originally, they people go, oh, no, you can't do this. But I've noticed that some people write some of the quips from the reviews right in the description. So the reviewer oh. says, you know, this is fast-paced or whatever, and at least mm-hmm. they have an idea that it's not boring or whatever, because sometimes books can mm-hmm. get boring. But if you hear fast-paced, sometimes that works for people because they don't like to be stuck in a situation where there's nothing happening. And sometimes for people can have chapters that don't work, but the rest of the book does. But And years ago, you could maybe get away with it. Now they're just going to just not even read the book. They'll just... And that, but they unfortunately will give you a bad review for no reason, if, even if they didn't finish a book. Such is what they do a yeah. lot of times on Goodreads. I've heard that they don't finish a book and they give a person a bad review, which is so unfair. Yeah, I, I think the other kind of neat thing um, that can help with all the uh, choices is I always check the sample out and. You know, that should really give you, like, the flavor of the book. Yeah, that's And you can good, yeah. download the chapter or whatever. And that's, like, if you, you know, you really want to kind of mimic that feeling in your blurb, which, like I said, is, is hard to do and it's different than writing the story, but to kind of pass that yeah. enthusiasm or tone, tone along to the reader. Yeah, because, you know, it, the blurb is hard. Like, even with log lines, when you send it, you just, we send it to, you know, producers, I, I actually would sometimes – uh, use two names, use two um, script, you know, two log lines, and one mm-hmm. someone would say, "Oh yeah, I think we're going to read the script," and the other one they wouldn't choose at all. And it was the same book, or, or I mean, same script. Oh, right? Wow. So right, but it was like, yeah, yeah, because they weren't interested in the one way, but they were interested in the other way. So wow. that's you have to yeah. test these things. Yeah, this is how it is. You have to test things because you don't know. Right. And then, but. After you get reviews, I think that's not a bad idea to go looking through the reviews and seeing what somebody wrote about it and what they actually thought about it, and that might hit you somewhere where you go like, oh, this is what they thought that maybe this, you know, maybe I didn't even see this when I'm writing the description, Mm -hmm. but they thought it, and it's Mm -hmm. a pretty good line. So I guess you could use that, Mm -hmm. you know. It's just very tough for people to get because they don't have much time. To get a reader, right? Yeah, and a lot but of the people sample too, part. I the think, sample is good. Go ahead. I think a lot of people too um, go to the repeat authors, like you know, like James Patterson, Daniel Steele, Colleen Hoover. You know, you know their voice. You know what to expect. You know that yeah. if you kind of like what they've done in the past, because like Colleen Hoover, she'll kind of not really genre hop, but a little bit. Her books can you know really vary. They're not all just contemporary romance. She's got some other stuff going on. But if you like her voice, you're probably going to like it. 
you know, like the other day I was watching something that I thought was going to be a cute rom-com. It was uh, set in Australia, and, it, the, you know, the tagline was talking about, like, oh, she's divorced, and she's starting this bed and breakfast and, you know, struggling to keep it going. And I thought, oh, how cute. And I see her with this doctor, and it's adorable. And the next thing is he's dead at the bottom of the staircase, and they're trying to figure out who killed him. And that's when I got oh my God. in. But there was something I missed, but this is not a rom-com. <laughs> I loved it. I enjoyed it. I solved the mystery. But that is not what I went into thinking it was going to be. When he was at the bottom of the stairs, I was like, wait a minute. It was a romantic comedy? Oh, wow. No, well, that's how they that's how they started it off because you know how it trails oh, off, God. you know, yeah. in the description. Yeah. And so when he, he was oh. so cute. The doctor was so cute with her. And then the next scene, he's at the bottom of the stairs. I thought, oh, this is not... not right. And then when the, when oh, the you know God. the feds showed up and they're like you know check, and I'm like, wait, oh. he's not waking oh. up. <laughs> this is not what I what I bargained for. Right, but I so kept going, it. and I have to say, I would Did normally not it? have watched it. I did, and I really enjoyed it. And I normally okay. would not have watched it. Right. And I went back, and in tiny letters, in tiny letters, it said suspense. But see, I did not see that, so I wouldn't have watched yeah. it normally. But I, uh, I enjoyed it. In fact, I probably yeah. enjoyed it more than had it been a rom com because it had, you know, my mind going, and I had to be more interactive trying to figure out who the killer was. But that is not what I thought I was getting. <laughs> see, that's labeling. See, label. It's really hard. The genres. Oh, it's it's very. That's that's the killer of it all. The genres. You know, because it could be a multi-genre book. And how do you write mm-hmm. a description on that without telling everybody, you know, like you're saying, this one, they probably couldn't have said there's a dead body because then you would have said, well, why am I, you know, this is not for romantic comedy. But, you know, they probably had their choice what they were going to do. And then they, like you liked it, but maybe some people would have said, oh, this wasn't what I wanted. Yeah, yeah. yeah I wanted her to get her happily ever after and keep her B and B. Yep, Jennifer, yeah. go ahead. I was, oh, I was just going to ask, like, did it? Did this movie have like really bright colors and and give you that you know kind of rom com feeling too? Yeah, the dialogue was very light, cutesy. They were joking around, mm-hmm. um, and it was very yeah. scenic. Yeah. Very scenic. The yeah. bed and breakfast was gorgeous. You know, she was having some issues with the employee, but there was cute banter, and that is why I did not right. pick up on it because of the cute banter. Right. Yeah. Until right. the, well, the banter. <laughs> well, the banter matters because that's a good thing. Right. Although the banter, like in the old movies, it can go. They had banter even in suspense movies, just the back and forth with each other. The, you know, and short lines right. sometimes, and you know. Um, mm-hmm. Like you're saying, enemy to romance. You know, that's a lot of times mm-hmm. when they started it out, something they hated the person, and then they ended up falling in love right. with the person. So it works out. Yeah, exactly. But it takes time. That's it. You know, and a lot of readers now, they don't give you the time. If it doesn't work for them in two pages, then they put the book down. And that's not fair. Yeah. And I don't think it's fair. Yeah. You know, I like true. to give a benefit of the doubt. You know, and the other way thing is, like, um, I find sometimes I like audiobooks, so I listen to the audiobook on sample, because if I don't like the voice for the sample, I'm not going to listen to the book. I know it. Mm. You know, and I love audiobooks, but sometimes the right person isn't really um, the narrator. It doesn't work. 
Yeah, I've noticed I, it can I, be hard for a young adult getting the voice right because you have an adult doing it, and sometimes they try to make themselves sound younger, and it doesn't it doesn't quite work. Or they well, try that's to do the, the other thing. See that female. Yeah. Yeah. Right, the way the voice sounds. Right. Sometimes they're just better off just reading reading it and not trying to be mm-hmm. young or old. Just reading what the person mm-hmm. wrote. You know, with just some expression, because yes. people are smart enough to figure out who it is. Do you know what I mean? So, because that can ruin it if it's not the right voice mm-hmm. for it, or if you're kind of, yeah. it sounds fake. Yeah. You know. uh, and I, I was just going to add that I I found audiobooks are great for studying a story. Like, if you know, you you've read the story and you you really loved it, then I then I'll go and and get the audiobook because then I can like think about how they're putting things together. And I find right. that I... That, I, I like that. I think oh, I... Great. Yeah. It's a great so idea because I love a, that idea because I do that. Yes, I think it's perfect for yeah. people to do. Yeah. Go ahead. It's kind of nice as a writer because then you can, like, think, you know, then you can think about it as you're going about your day, like, wait. And, and also, I think I tend to read fast because I'm, you know, want to get to find out, like, what happened. And the audiobook really makes me, like, slow down. And I, I just, it's like stuff that I, I find I missed the first the first yeah. time through of how, you know, you're weaving things and all yeah. that. And I was just surprised. I, I was, like, very thought I would never be interested in audiobooks because I didn't want to have to deal with somebody else's pace. And like everything else in life, you learn a lot. <laughs> I think a lot of things about, right, I think an author, if an author really can learn a lot from an audiobook because you're not mm-hmm. conscious of the grammar as much and you're not conscious of the fact mm-hmm. that they're not where the paragraph right. is. It's just, and because yeah. you know how everything goes now because they go like, oh, they missed the comma, they did this or that, and, mm-hmm. you know, and in an audio book, it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. it's, you, and, you le- and you really learn how to listen to other people's stories. I, th- I think it's a really good thing to do, like you said, even to read the book and then really see how they did it. When they when mm-hmm. they're talking book, even in my own books, when I have when I listen to it, I can't. I don't even feel like I wrote it. You know, it's so different. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. because what, actually on my To Life book, uh, the woman that did the narration, I actually thought she added stuff that was so good. I'm going like, this is really good. She must have added this. <laughs> and so then I went to the book and I went, oh no, those. My words, but I honestly didn't didn't even think they were my words. But the way she spoke them, I felt it was somebody mm-hmm. else writing, it. you know. And I went, "Oh, this mm-hmm. is really good." <laughs> so, but she didn't. It was word for word mine. But that's why, because I think people a lot of times people do not want to listen to audiobooks, and and I think it's a really great experience. And I also think children can learn really good by. Reading, having a book, because some kids don't like to read. So if they look at the book while they're hearing it, I think it's a really good way for kids to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. not every kid likes to read. That's true. So this is Absolutely. a way to do both. And the other thing, I, I, my kids are in their 20s now, but I was so sad that when they were in um, – elementary school the teachers have so much to do now and they're so busy and there's so many you know things they have to have to be completed on their curriculum that they don't have they didn't have story time anymore even I remember being a, a elementary school student in like third or fourth grade and she would we would still get read to for it was like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory these you know things that really moved along and I was so sad to realize they just don't have time for it and so 
you know, it's great that audiobooks can kind of provide that for summer cards. Yes, and, yes, I, I think know, so. Even you know. family. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, actually listen to what you're saying today about the tropes. I, I do think that's a big help. And I think, you know, for those out there, I didn't really get what that was that much, you know, because I wasn't, you know, I've been writing for years. You just kind of write and write and write and don't realize what, you know, all of the things that you just kind of do it, you know. But I think for me, this is an interesting concept where you just figure out so you don't get lost because I think what happens to some authors is they get lost in the middle. They have no idea where they're going. And then yeah. they give middle up the book. They you... stop writing. Yeah. They stop writing. <laughs> you know, because right. the middle matters. And that's the thing. You know, even, you know, this is when people are watching a movie, like a lot of times the movie's good at the beginning and the middle is just so-so. But then they have the ending mm-hmm. and it turns out to be really good. And then they have people dancing mm-hmm. and singing if it's a comedy. And then it, the people go, oh, this was a great movie. They forgot that the middle they fell asleep in. <laughs> Like and at the end they woke up because that middle is it's it's really hard to keep people interested and that middle is the part that matters. Exactly, I have many unfinished manuscripts from when I ran out of steam about forty percent in. Have you gone back to them? Like I haven't because it's hard. Like I feel like I'm always kind of changing and growing as a writer. So when I go back to them, I'm just like, oh, I just want to like start. Even, even if I still like the idea, I want to start it from the beginning. I know. See, that's mm-hmm. a bad, I, right. I, that's, I, can't, I don't think different. that's always a great thing because I do the same thing, and it's not. Because yeah. I had a woman on the show a few weeks ago, and she was talking, and I think I mentioned it twice already because it just stuck in my mind. She had a book, and she was um, a best-selling author. She's done a lot of books. She did one book. She really hated it. She was going to throw it away, actually dump it and burn it. And so I think, Kristen, I might have told the story again, but she actually was so mad and so at herself for writing such a horrible book. And then her friend read it and go, this is a great book. Do not burn it. So meanwhile, she turned it into her editor. And meanwhile, it won awards. <laughs> and wow. she hated it. Wow. it well, you know, she was going to burn yeah. it. So I think yeah. what happens to people, myself included, is sometimes we reread things so many times that by the time we're done, mm-hmm. we like hate it already. It's like, oh my god, I don't even like this. Right. And then you're shocked when people go, oh, this is such a good book because nobody is going to read your your page like twenty, thirty times. But mm-hmm. you, exactly. you know, but you and any of us, you know, as authors. But you, so you have to just sometimes let it go. And I know what you're saying because I did that with screenplay. I had somebody like my screenplay, and they told me to do a few things, but then I couldn't just do a few things. I had to do the whole thing, and then I hated the story by that time because I had changed it so much, you know. And whatever they liked, I changed everything. So I think that's a good thing for authors to listen to what we're saying right now. Just go finish it or don't finish it. But going back mm-hmm. makes you change the whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then where are you then? You don't know where you are. Well, I hate when I have I, I, um, comments from people that tell me, oh, you should do X, Y, and Z. And I 
kid you not, every time I have done something in a story where I've done exactly what they said, oh, I'd love to see this or whatever, that is the mm-hmm. exact person that was like, yeah, this wasn't my favorite of yours. And it's like, yep. so you really you cannot write with yeah. a critic on your shoulder. You really no, you, you know, have to just be true to what you were trying to get on the page because it's like every yep. time. Mm-hmm. And I don't say it to them, but I'm thinking, wait a minute, you're the one that wanted this. Yeah. I know. that You can't do, you I have to write the story as you see it. I think, you know, have you had that, Jennifer, where you just, you know, like you listen to, like I don't I don't let anybody read my stories until I'm done. I can't because I don't like, I don't even like beta readers because that would drive me crazy, you know, because I, I can't write that way because if it, it once you change a few paragraphs in your script, in your manuscript, you change the whole story regardless of what anybody yeah. thinks. You, do you, right. Has that happened when you right. know this, that you shouldn't have um, let somebody read it? I don't tend to have people read it till I'm all done. And okay. then okay. Um, okay. I, don't, I'm not, I don't like the in-process comments. Yeah, I don't. Okay, um, yeah. So, and, and I also find it doesn't really help to talk about it. Uh, so right. I just, like, need to work on it, even if that's slow going and, you know, yeah. I, I wish I could move things along. But the other thing I was, the other thing I have found is that when I do send it off, I will try to get like three people, three different people to look at it. And I found that's the most helpful because, you know, sometimes you get somebody's like, well, they have a question about this part and the other person loves that same part. Well, right. So yeah. I, I tend to just go with if, if there's a consensus about something, two of the three say something, I will definitely look at that. But it is so subjective that you can kind of drive yourself crazy and, and yes. you know, turn into the right. the idea of trying to please people. And it's, it's, it is, it's, I don't know if it, like, it somehow seems to suck the life out of it. But I've heard other authors say that too, Kristen, where they like, oh, you know, the fans wanted like this one couple to have their HEA, like maybe in a series of brothers or whatever. And so they do, <laughs> they do that for them and then they're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't, I don't like that. do that. Yeah, see, that's right. So, Kristen, right? See, now, did you hear from two of us? It's up to you now. But you, you're a good <laughs> writer, so just leave it be. Let you know, do your own thing. Because I think that a lot of people they don't realize if they tell you something, how much it changes the story. And yeah, it does. It's in, it's it really in your does. head. It's in your head. You know, even when you know, we all seem. When we're doing a story, I think these characters are people we're working with, and we talk for them. Uh, in the last book I read, second in the, that I wrote, Second Chances, I wrote the last line the same way as I wrote the first in the at first series. So when I looked at that, I went, "Oh my God, oh. it's the exact same way he kissed her." I mean, you can't use it. So I oh. used another way, but to me, that was probably him thinking the same way. You know, because yeah. we already know what they're thinking. Right. But somebody else mm-hmm. doesn't. So I guess we have to use our judgment and hope for the best. That's what I try to do. And that's why I don't like beta readers, you know, because I think it would drive me crazy to have beta yeah. readers, you know. Mm-hmm. I and uh, I think a lot of people love them. They help them. But mm-hmm. for me, it's not helpful. To me, it would drive me crazy because I'd be changing things left and right, and then by the time I did the story, I wouldn't even like it. That's what they do in Hollywood. So that's that's exactly what they do. You start with a story in oh, Hollywood, yeah, you can tell, and oh, and it's yeah. it's over. And somebody say, oh, because sometimes you see a movie or something, it looks like two separate people wrote it, 
And that's mm-hmm. what happened. Two yeah. separate people did write it, you know, because mm-hmm. we all know how our characters work and what they say and how they are, but someone else does not mm-hmm. know. They don't mm-hmm. know. Very true. They, they don't know. Nobody knows like we It's like family. It's just like everything else, you know. We may not like the mm-hmm. way they are, but that's who they are. <laughs> that's what happens, mm-hmm. you know. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, so is there anything else, Jennifer, you'd like to talk about? You know, Kristen, if you feel like you want to join us on the 26th, because I think we'll talk about movies. We've already realized we can all talk about movies very well. (laughs) Yeah, that would be fun, uh, you know, on the 26th. Yeah, Yeah, you know, because I I love doing those shows because I like hearing what other people think about movies and because I think a lot of us like to talk about movies. And, like, I know Mm -hmm. when we're with our regular friends, they just probably think we're crazy (laughs) talking about them like they're, you know. And we know because it's so interesting to listen to what characters say. It matters to us, you know, like every word I listen to because, you know, and I'm also, I'm sure you both do the same thing. You're adding your own sentences in while they're talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do that a lot. Yeah, no. I know. I've been watching, um, I've been watching uh, HBO's show Barry. Have either of you seen that about the hitman? No, it's on my list, but I, do, you, do you like it? Yeah, it's I good. love yeah, it, and I've it's heard. really fun to yeah. talk about with other authors because because it's about theater. There's also the same kind of yeah, creative I challenges that we that we face. Um, but I I really enjoyed it. It'd be fun to talk about if you know you guys had wanted to look at Isn't it. Isn't Henry Winkler? Half in Henry Winkler is in that yeah. one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I have like such a list of things to watch because I and <laughs> there's no time. You know, and um, yeah. I binged right. Ozark the other day, and then, oh. uh, well, I'll be talking about that with Dick but, you know, he wrote, you know, we talked about it, and then I, the ending, we weren't, like, liking it that much, and so, like, nobody that I know really cares about it, but we'll be talking about the ending and all the characters, because after things mm-hmm. are over, we want to talk about things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You go, like, why did he do that, or why did she do that? Or what happened here? Right. Or why did they ruin the ending right. like we just said right now? You know, um, and sometimes we, you know, sometimes I'm so happy when I see something so good. It's like the end. I like, I'm feeling so happy for them that it was a great, I felt it was a great story that they're, you know, whatever I'm right. watching. You know, don't you right. get that feeling when you see something, you go like, this is really good. I think this is great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I have think to make up my own soundtrack. Yeah, it's, it's just it's not it's not it's like you had a part in it, even though you know you just say I know you did. right like, exactly. Yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. going like great. Oh, and going like look at this. I love this scene. You know, and it was so good. You know, and I think that's why authors like to talk about things like that. You know, and I think we're all watching mm-hmm. TV much more than we ever did, and so that's why we do this. You know, but it, I think right. it does. You know, like even listen, like you said, listening to audios and watching movies, I think it helps writers. It doesn't hurt, believe me. I think it really helps to see how people put stories together. Oh, yes. Fill up that creative well with, you know, new story ideas and inspiration. And just getting mm-hmm. those feelings, like watching, you know, like, like the Hong Kong one, watching that, you know, slow burn romance that, like, inspired me for my own stuff. Yeah, so I think right, and right. so is it one? Is it hard for you, Jennifer? Because you know all these things with your building blocks. Do you ever get confused on the blocks you're building that maybe 
that the blocks you need you have to change what you thought of um, and to move it on to a different block you know kind of I would definitely um I would definitely feel as a, I'm developing the story I would definitely feel like oh hey if this if this character has evolved so that 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 other earlier trope is is not is important I would I would be fine with letting it go but but generally it seems like you know we're also I just try to keep in mind of like we're also complex that it's just yep. like there the trope can just just be a small part of somebody like it doesn't have to be like their their big thing you know and I think sometimes we get confused about that as authors because you're just like you know should I focus on this and this and, but like in uh, the blurb Kristen read somebody had a her character had a scar that um you know like an emotional scar in there and I was like oh so that's great like it's just kind of flipped in there that I know there's there's some you know painful thing in that character's past that's going to cause them problems in the story so it's just kind of like leaving these little nuggets for the for the reader or the storyteller to 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 follow right because so right because it's in regular regular life we all have issues you know and things that mm -hmm. make us the way we are and sometimes we don't always see them and then sometimes years later you go like oh you know what this should change or that should change or I've changed or you know people do change them you know. I mean, yeah. like I could change in the middle mm-hmm. of my sentence what I'm talking about because I have done that. Sometimes my husband will go, what topic are you on now? <laughs> You're doing like, you know, like I start one way and then I go all the way around to something else. And who are you talking about now? You know, I think mm-hmm. that we have all of that in common, authors, because we have so many things in our head at one time. Mm-hmm. Yes. That yeah. I, think I, I think that, so- yeah, yeah I'm, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, I, and I really feel like as, uh, for authors, like the tropes need to work for us. Like they need to, you know, they're things we can use and manipulate. So it's not like, oh, I have to use this trope. And it shouldn't it shouldn't overhang your story. It should be like kind of pushing up from under underneath, like almost like if you're swimming and you need a boost to keep, to keep things going. So yeah. I guess like – in some ways, like, it's kind of weird. Like, on one hand, you want to be aware of them, but on the other hand, you want to kind of just knit them into the story seamlessly as the goal, as, as, as things go along. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, I think probably because you taught it and you know how to plot and everything, it's probably while you're doing your story helps you whether you know it or not because it does help you because if you know all this, you already, in your mind, you're focused. And I think that's a hard thing is focusing. So I think I'm going to try this in my mind because sometimes you lose focus and you get to scenes mm-hmm. and you add things that maybe you shouldn't have added because it doesn't really belong mm-hmm. in that story. Maybe another story, but not the one you're right. in. And that's a hard thing for it's authors to, to do, to stay on track. Everybody writes different ways. You know, like when I'm writing, actually, right. I'll I'll actually do all the dialogue first, which for the longest time I was like, you know, I'm not a writer because everybody sits down at chapter one, page one, and, and right through to the end. And then only the more I studied and listened and learned people, you know, however you can get a book done, is that's what the goal is. <laughs> it's not how, right, get the book whatever. Done. Right. Yeah. So, which which so is what, one thing I don't want to forget is that you write in different names. So I think, you know, after we talked that time, we talked about this, and I know for me, I, mean, I had another name. And I think I wrote erotic in in much more sexier books under that name, 
and I think I mm-hmm. need to do that if I re- if I do some erotic because in my mind I change. I have to have a different name because for me it's it's inhibiting sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that you write in a few names. So mm-hmm. how is that for you? Do you how did, did you just decide to do that with all those names? Because then one name you do one thing or one you know because that's really hard to decide right. if you should. Use other pen name. What do? You, how did you make that right. where it worked um, for you? It it is it is a lot more work for the author to use multiple different pen names. It seems, but it really comes down to how is the reader going to be able to find you, and and are the various genres compatible? Because I know some authors who will use you know their one name for like maybe they'll do like a contemporary romance and reverse harem and um, erotic romance. And, and they just make it clear to the uh, reader like what kind of book it is in the blurb. Um, but, you know, that would be a whole lot easier than, than trying to juggle multiple pen names where you're trying to figure out newsletters and posting and um, websites and all that. So I think I would not recommend it unless there's, you know, a way that you can't merge the the names because it's just it's just a lot more work for the author right but but you do it and do you know Mm -hmm. but you tell people that you have other names or do they not know um well i tell them i write under i write different genres but i don't uh but i don't like have them all mixed you know what i mean so, right. Yeah, I, yeah definitely. Uh, I, mean, I, I get yeah. it because I I made that mistake yeah. of then we're going back to my name. I only went back to one name because because I do shows. It was so confusing mm-hmm. talking about. Uh, I you know I'm confusing enough to people. I didn't want to be confusing them more <laughs> as to what I do. Right. So I thought right. this would be. I just went all to Marsha Casper Cook again. But I think uh-huh. I wrote the stories better, like mm-hmm. under Madison Montgomery. That was much better for me. Ah, I, and I are, can't are write the same like, way. The psychological yeah. like space you get yeah. from the pen name. Yeah. I, I thought yeah. you were talking about more like the the practicalities of trying to juggle the things. Um, no, but yes, practical. I, I can never manage myself anyway. Nobody can. I can't. I'm try. I try, but I just. <laughs> you know, it's like as authors, we try to do different things, and I do like I. Right. You know do that and so but i think as writing wise may, sometimes if you write under another name for a different genre you have to make your head as, go a certain way because you can't write a children's book the same time you're writing erotic it doesn't work i don't think you know it's not happening because <laughs> when we sit down to write we have to get it together in our head what we're doing and not exactly. be swayed there's so many different ways tell, yeah there's so many different ways to tell a story i mean they're probably is somebody who can do those two things, but I, it wouldn't be me, but um, yeah. I don't know. I think it's like in some ways, you know, we kind of channel these characters. So when you can slip into that other mindset through the name or through, you know, wherever you're working. Yeah, or I think for me. Yeah. Kristen, do you have any questions you wanted to ask anymore? Anything you want to say? Yeah, I wanted to ask um, if, Jennifer, if you do a lot with um, plotting, because that's one thing that I really struggle with, trying to plot ahead of time. Um, actually, yes, I, I have worked as a plotter and concept creator, and I I, I love plotting um, because it's, it's the way I get to use all these 
all these things we're talking about. Um, yeah. And it's fun to plot with other people because then I don't have to write the story. So for me, it's like a puzzle to get all the pieces to fit together. But when I'm doing a book for myself, um, it's a real like fine line between a, I need to know there's enough conflict to get through to the end, and but yet not being laid out that I know exactly what's going to happen so that I don't get bored or frustrated. So it's kind of, it's like I have almost like two parts of my writer personality that that are you know inside there but um in terms of plotting the biggest thing i found is helpful for people is which is also makes them groan is to know what the goal motivation and conflict is for your main characters and if you're writing a story that has a important antagonist because that has really served me and i see it help other writers not run out of steam in the middle right mm-hmm. yeah so, yeah, and, it makes sense. No, um, right. That's because that's what happens, right? I, I see that in a lot of authors, right? It's in the middle, right? And you right. you can't run out of steam, so you have to keep going, right? Right. And the the other thing I've um, I found with doing there's a couple things I found with doing goal motivation and conflict is I, I found with romance the the goal should not be to be in love or to um, to be with you know the hero at the end. Because it doesn't give you enough conflict, and it's already understood that's what we're trying to do. So I always try to come up with some, like, concrete goal. Like when you were talking about the um, the bed and breakfast owner, like maybe her goal would be, you know, to uh, pay off her mortgage. or I, and, But, like, give them something really concrete that the, that the character has to work through. And then you can weave the romance through that. But it's just it provides so much more structure for the story than just trying to figure out, okay, well, now what? Um, and I do that I do, do that for the hero or heroine. And like I said, if, there's a, if it's like romantic suspense and there's um, an antagonist. But I found that really helps keep people on track with mm-hmm. conflicts with the story. Yeah, because I think that's what happens to people. I think, you know, that's really, Kristen, I think that's a good question because that's really what happens to people is they, if they're plotting, maybe they're just too maybe stiff in their plotting and then they don't leave room for a change at all. Yeah, it's interesting because it was actually last night I was going through a workbook that was trying to get me to plot and it just, my brain wasn't going that way, so I pulled out a separate notebook and I started writing down what I what my goals for the story were, what I wanted to bring out. And it was surprising because yeah. it was what I was writing down wasn't what I thought was going to come down. Do you ever have that where what you write down is oh, not yeah. what you thought you were going to write down? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. 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 <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and I think. Um, it, it, go ahead. No, Jen. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. oh no! I I was. I was just going to say, I'm always, I'm often surprised, like, what the motivation is for the goal. Uh, it, like, like Kristen said, sometimes I was like, oh, I didn't know there was, you know, this issue this person had until it occurred to me with working on the goal. Yeah, no, right. And I think as authors, sometimes we don't recognize these things. So sometimes, like today's show is, is maybe people have had this problem, but they just don't know they had this problem. Mm-hmm. But this this will put it in perspective of actually what to do when you get to a place you don't know, you know, because it's un, sometimes mm-hmm. it's the territory you get in is something you didn't expect, and that's the fun of writing. Yeah, 
You know, and that's the thing. You can, right, because the most important thing is having fun. You know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's what I think. So, and this has been a great show because I think I got notes here. I think this is. I took notes thank too. You. So yeah, it's it's been very good because it's really oh. good to talk about these things that writers oh, yeah. need to get into because it, the, that's what makes the stories good is things like this, mm-hmm. trying to put it together and getting it right and keeping your characters focused. Right. You know, and I think that's yeah, no, very. It, it'll be fun to talk. About- Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say it'll be fun to talk about. Like, we could talk about like, the goal, motivation, and conflict with like um, Coda when we talk again, or um, or other. There's yeah, well, there's so many watch. movies. We'll talk about Coda, and we'll talk about other things. And you know, I'll fill yeah. Kristen, Kristen in with Coda, so she'll get there. <laughs> yeah. And oh, that, you know, know yeah. And then like you know, because we're because I've been doing a lot of. You know, Kristen and I have been thinking about different things, and you might like to join some of these shows too with relationships and family. I think oh, yeah. these are shows that can help authors put their own characters, make them more real, you know, because mm-hmm. we all live lives and it's some of the things that happen in our books come through us, whether we're going through it now or maybe years later or we, you know, we all have issues. Nobody, nobody is perfect. And some things that are bad for our characters, we know, but then sometimes it's good, you know, and sometimes we watch mm-hmm. things with all bad characters, which is, that's what we're going to be talking on Ozark, because all the characters, oh. are, there's nobody really good, okay? So mm. I think, why do we like characters? That's, what? that's, you know, one of the things I heard Dick Belsky yeah. today, he was on Fran Lewis's show, and he was talking about this, why, like Sopranos, why do we know these characters yeah. are bad, but we still like them? And then sometimes we question, right. like, what are we doing? We're watching all these people that are right. so bad. You know, but it's right. also it's a relief, you know, from life. You know, it's you're watching them, exactly. not thinking about your own life. You know, it's an escape. It's good. We Very need this. True. Certainly now. Yes. You know. Yes. Right. And um, this has been a great show. Thank you. It was great meeting you last time when we talked, Jennifer. And so, Kristen, thank you yeah. again for doing the show. Fun. And thank you to everybody that's listening. Yeah, this is. I think we've helped people this time for because I think this can put things, especially the descriptions and things, are hard for people to understand how to get their book out there to make people like, you know, want to buy their book. Mm -hmm. I think that's the number one thing. How do we get people to buy our books? You know. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you again, right. and everybody have a good night, and everybody stay safe, and hopefully, what Ukraine, this will be a little better coming on, and we might be done with this war. I've been saying this for all, it's almost two months now, so I think it's I don't know how long it's been, but we wish them well there and safe. Yeah. And yeah, nothing more we can say except we hope it all it works out better than it's been going. Thank you again. Take care and have a good night. Bye.